If you would, let's all stand. We'll start this service with prayer and thanksgiving. We want to welcome everyone that's joined us on the broadcast of the services coming from the First Pentecostal Church here in Silsby. We want you to know that we worship a true and living God. We serve a miracle work in God. And we want to, we want to pray tonight for all the church family, all that are sick, not able to be in church, but let's remember the whole church family asked God to protect us, keep his hand upon us. And we want to pray for Billy Payne. He asked the church if we'd pray for him. If he doesn't have the virus, he just has some kind of heart condition. And he said he wants a, a, a prayer. But, hey, I know a, a prayer working God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and then we want to pray for Brother Looper. This is the first service he's been in since he had a birthday. So we remember we want to pray for him. But seriously, church, let's love God. Invite him in this service tonight. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you, Lord. God, you see every need and every petition that's brought before you. God, you more than able. God, you're a miracle working, God. Anoint the man of God as he brings the word, Lord. Ask you to touch Billy Payne, all that are sick. God, you're a miracle working, God, and we love you. We praise you, God, and we magnify your name, Lord. We standing on your promises, God. You're the master of every situation. God, you see every need, every petition. Have your way in this service tonight, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. God, we love you, God. We love you, God. God, we love you. We praise you. We magnify your name, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. When you're up against the wall and your mountain seems so
Praise the Lord, everybody. It's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. So thankful for God's goodness, His mercy, His blessings, allowing us to come together 
in a much different way, but coming together to worship and to praise and to glorify a great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We're so thankful for everyone that has joined with us tonight. And uh, a little surprising, we do have a few folks here. And uh, I've got to make this clear because some called me and asked me if they could come. And I told them no. So uh, I'm not getting on to anyone that is here. And I didn't give anyone else different information than I gave you. So I'm not guilty. Uh, So don't blame me. But anyway... We are, we're just waiting. Um, the governor has opened up some things for us, which we are thankful y'all can be seated. And I guess if you're standing in your home, you can be seated too. But the governor has started opening up some things, which we are so thankful for, and uh, given some uh, avenues for people to have church, and we're really grateful for that. And uh, I've enjoyed the times that we've gathered together on the parking lot. And uh, I've enjoyed the times where we've had few and different services here in the building. But I am truly looking forward to the time where we can all come together again and worship and to praise and to glorify God. And uh, I'm not sure what that first service will be when we all come together, but... I'm not even sure if I'll even be prepared to preach. I don't really think I will have to preach that service. But anyway, we're going to have a great time in the Lord. But we are thankful for God's goodness and His mercy and His blessings. And uh, we're thankful for all that God has done for us. And I want to start off by saying today that I am thankful. I I did have a birthday uh, Monday. Turned 49, not 50, but I turned 49, so there's still a lot of people that's still a lot older than I am, and uh, some of my dear close friends are still a lot older than I am, but uh, I've got a little further to go before I reach that great milestone, but what a surprise, uh, Monday afternoon, we'd, we'd, uh, I'd cook myself a birthday meal, and uh, it was pretty good, to say the least. And we were enjoying that. We'd just finished up, and uh, there was a, a police car pulled up in my driveway and started hollering at me. And uh, I was really surprised when I went out and see so many from the church. Lord, that was amazing. That was shocking and amazing. And uh, so the girls put me a video clip together of all that going on. So I've been sending it to all of my friends, bragging on everybody and say, look what they did for me. I bet you've never had a parade in your honor. But we had a great time. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And uh, I know, of course, I, I, I said, I thought this to myself. You can tell we don't have anything to do when we all get in our cars and go decorate it and drive through neighborhoods. But I do appreciate you putting forth the effort. It means a lot to me, and I do not take it lightly at all. So thank you very much. I want to say also thank God uh, for uh, we've got a couple of praise reports on uh, Sister Alice and Sister McKinley. And uh, this evening they were able to turn the ventilator down to 50% on Sister McKinley, and she responded well and so we're very grateful and thankful for that. Yesterday they started taking the sedation off of Sister 
uh, Alice, and she was responding well. I have not heard an update on her today, but yesterday evening uh, was positive update, so we are very, very thankful for that. And we're just praying that God would continue to work and God would work a miracle in these ladies' lives and uh, bring them home and uh, to this home, not to their heavenly home, and uh, give them a little more time with their families, and we'll be very grateful for it. And we're so thankful for uh, the positive uh, things that have been going on in our community and uh, thankful that things are lightening up a little bit and uh Doom and gloom doesn't look quite as doom and gloom as it was that we've all come to the conclusion, I think, that we're going to live and not die. And uh, so I am grateful for that. And uh, there's a lot of fear been struck in the hearts of every individual. And if you have not had any fear with what's going on, um, maybe you need to look at what's going on because... Uh, it, it does strike fear into your heart to see what's happened, not, not just, uh, health-wise and, uh, but to the economy and the lasting effects that this could have on our liberties and to our economy and to the world as we know it. And, uh, so we're thankful that, that things are moving in an upwardly direction and we're grateful for that. And looking forward to things starting opening up. I tell you what, I never knew, I never knew <clears throat> that I missed going to restaurants so much. I always thought it'd be nice to stay home and eat and stay home and eat and stay home and eat. I'm ready just to go into a restaurant and sit down and have somebody to bring it to me and uh, wait on me. But, <clears throat> you know, we, we, uh, we take for granted so many times the little things in life. And uh, one of those things I think that we have all taken for granted, and I've said this from day one, is the opportunity that God has given us to come together in this beautiful building and worship and praise God. And I cannot wait until we're able to all come here and worship and glorify God together. And so we're thankful for what God is doing. We're just looking for God to keep on doing things as of right now. Uh, services will continue as scheduled 10 o'clock uh, here in the parking lot Sunday morning and 6 o'clock Sunday evening. If uh, There will be more information being texted to you on that, but that is the plan as of right now. And uh, I'm just um, I'm trying to get direction on what we should do and the proper movements and the, the decisions that should be made. So be patient with us as we... Uh, try to follow the Lord as closely as we possibly can. And so let's continue to pray for those who are sick. And uh, everyone seems to be doing better as far as I know. We want to pray especially for Brother Myers. His sister is uh, very, very sick, not with this, but other uh, issues. And they're not giving her any hope. And uh, so we ask the Lord to touch them and help and strengthen that family today. It is an honor and a privilege to have Brother and Sister Smith here with us. We've been enjoying the Word of God. And uh, we've been enjoying the what where our fellowship has kind of been hindered the last few days. But what fellowship we have had together, we've always enjoyed that. Brother Smith and Sister Smith are... Very dear friends of mine, my life has been enriched by their friendship, 
And uh, through this time, Brother and Sister Smith has been a strength to me, and I do appreciate them very, very much. He keeps telling me, now, if I'm in your way, I can, I can leave, I can go. I said, no, you're not in my way at all. And uh, they are a great benefit to me, and I love and appreciate them very, very much. And I appreciate the wonderful Word of God. And uh, we found out Sunday that without a doubt, Brother Smith is the head of his household. Because he bounced right up there on that scaffold with Sister Smith telling him, No, no, David, you cannot do that. But he did it anyway. <laughs> and so we're all, we're all relieved to know that. But, and, and Brother and Sister Smith are tremendous cooks. Now all of you don't know that, but my family has been enjoying that. And I don't, I don't know how someone, you know, people from up north in the northern part of the country, they normally don't, don't cook real well, uh, to southern specifications. And, uh, but Brother Smith, I don't know where he got it, but he got, he got some flavor in his life. And, uh, he likes things a little bit spicy and, and all of that. And last night fixed us a great Mexican dinner. And uh, a taco salad that he has cut up uh, to perfection. And uh, <clears throat> we don't eat any tomatoes that are not perfectly square. And we don't eat any pieces of lettuce that are not perfectly square. Everything has to be perfect when Brother Smith does it. And I tell you what, he preaches the Word of God with perfection. And we love and appreciate Brother and Sister Smith very, very much. We want him to come and obey the Lord. I ask you to join in at home. Treat this as church. I know that it's very difficult with the kids running around and bouncing around. Hard to keep them under control. But get your Bible out. Pay very close attention. Let God help you today. I know it's not like being in the house of God, but it's the best we can do at this particular time. Lord bless Brother Smith. Thank you, Brother Looper, and greetings, praise the Lord, to everybody. What a wonderful privilege it is to, to be in touch with God and to know that He is looking in the direction of His people. And here we are together, whether in person tonight or on the broadcast, we are together. And I trust that it will be a productive time as we look to the Word of the Lord I do want to say it's already been a wonderful week, starting with Sunday. Sunday morning, great service. My, the pastor preached a tremendous message that challenged all of us on Sunday morning. And I was so blessed and strengthened by the Word of the Lord at that time. And then we enjoyed the wonderful fellowship of people gathering on the parking lot for another service Sunday night. And then so many of the church people got to celebrate the pastor's birthday on Monday, as Pastor has already mentioned, and got to be part of a parade that took place, and just a privilege to be with Brother and Sister Looper and their family. We highly esteem them. We love them very, very much, and thank them for their, for their kindness to the Smiths, not only on this particular extended occasion, but uh, over the past several years. Thank you, Brother Looper, Sister Looper, and to the family. We also want to give honor and recognition to Elder and Sister Duplissy, 
people that we highly esteem, we admire them, and it's always a privilege to be together with them and the church family at First Pentecostal Church. You have a wonderful church family, and uh, I hope that none of you that are a part of the family ever take that for granted. I travel, I travel the world, I travel all over this country, I promise you, it's not it's not the same way everywhere. And so please know how blessed you are and be thankful for the rich blessings of the Lord. Take time to appreciate one another, to pray one for another, to encourage one another. Amen. What a wonderful, wonderful privilege to be part of the family of God. And whether you're at home or here, I think we ought to give the Lord a hand clap of praise just for the privilege of being part of the family of God. Oh, hallelujah. Sister Smith and I have been blessed to be able to be here, and we certainly want to be a help and an encouragement to your pastor as well as to this church family. I am going to be turning to the word of the Lord tonight, and before I get into my actual text, I, I want to uh, have us think upon a couple of scriptures. Uh, now, this will be more teaching tonight, no doubt, than preaching, and so at home even, if you've got a piece of paper handy and want to jot down some of these scriptures, I'm sure they'll be helpful to you in the days to come, and uh, trust that it will be a means of strengthening all of us in our walk and our relationship with God. The first scripture that I want us to to, uh, turn our attention to in the book of Philippians, chapter 2 and verse number 5 where that Paul admonished the church, and he said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That is a very profound admonition. Not just given for people that lived back at Paul's time. That is wonderful admonition for all of us Who live today. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Then I want us to consider, as we go to the book of 1 John, chapter 2, notice verse number 4. 1 John, chapter 2, and verse number 4, where Peter spoke with great clarity. And he said, He that saith, I know him, that is Christ Jesus. He that saith, I know the Lord Jesus, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Now, that's pretty clear. Uh, You talk about a straight shooter. Paul was a straight shooter. He said, anybody that says... I know the Lord and doesn't keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Drop down to verse number 6 where John wrote, He that saith he abideth in Christ Jesus ought himself also so to walk even as 
Jesus walked. Now that's a challenge for every one of us. And I hope if you call yourself a Christian, as we do, that we all are striving to walk as Jesus walked. That's what a Christian is all about, being what Jesus would want us to be, doing what Jesus would want us to do, living as Jesus would want us to live. So, again, John wrote, He that abideth in Christ Jesus ought himself also so to walk, even as Jesus walked. Now for my text this evening, I'm going back to the Old Testament book of Amos. Amos chapter 3, and I'm reading from verse number 3. Amos chapter 3, verse number 3, where a pointed question is posed for consideration by all of us. This is the question. Can two walk together? Except they be agreed. Can two walk together except they be agreed? And that is where I am going to launch forth from tonight in this time of teaching, preaching, whatever it may be. In spite of adverse circumstances, And even present calamities that are being faced throughout the entire world. This is truly a remarkable day of unprecedented opportunity for God's people everywhere. Now, what we are feeling in America, God's people are feeling around the world. In fact, some of them are facing things that might be even more adverse than some of us are facing right here in our beloved America. However, that being said, regardless of what we are facing, naturally speaking, it is a day of great opportunity for the people of God around the world. In fact, inspired Scripture provides many prophetic promises in reference to the very time in which we are currently living Referencing one particular case in point, I'm thinking of the Old Testament prophet by the name of Habakkuk. And in his writings from chapter 1 and verse number 5, Habakkuk, the prophet, spoke of a time when God would perform such great and such mighty feats until people would literally struggle to believe that such wonderful things could actually take place. Oh, God, let it happen. Amen. I understand there are things right now that are making us uncomfortable. But I want to tell you, it hasn't taken God by surprise. He knows exactly what he's, what's going on. And He is going to have the final say. Amen. And so the prophet of old said that God was going to perform great that would be even above and beyond what many of us would be able to grasp even in our thinking. Thus we all need the Lord to help us in this hour that our faith would increase more and more, enabling you and me to be the effective tools in His 
hands that He really wants for us to be. Don't miss the opportunity to be the instrument that God wants you to be. We can pray prayers right now that break through barriers. We can do, we can get on our face before God. We can get God's attention and there is no telling what God will do even as a result of this challenging time that we have been living in over the past many weeks. In the second chapter of 1 Corinthians, verse number 9, Paul reminds us of words that were spoken by the prophet Isaiah. I'm not going back to Isaiah to read it, but if you want to reference it, it's chapter 64 and verse number 5. And as Paul reminds us of Isaiah's words, he said this in verse 9, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. Now, we can talk about God. We can talk about the creation. We can talk about His mighty acts in Old Testament times, New Testament times. We can say, wow, that's nice. Man, that's profound. I want to tell you tonight that God is just as real right now as He has ever been. And the Word of the Lord that declares, I hath not seen and ear hath not heard the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him, I'm telling people that love God today, God still has great things prepared for you and for me and for His people all over this world. Amen. The following verse in this chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, now go to verse number 10. It clearly states that God hath revealed those things unto us by His Spirit. That's why we need the power of His Spirit at work within us every day of our lives. There are things that some people might not know that God wants to reveal to you. That God wants to show to you. That God wants to just open your eyes of understanding. As beloved children of the Most High God, we need to do whatever is necessary to fine-tune our faith and thereby allow God to speak to us and allow God to work through us in this very hour. I want to hear what he says. And I want him to be able to use me to do whatever it is that he wants me to do. That being said, I want to teach tonight about being in agreement with God. It is imperative that we are in agreement with God. In the 14th chapter of John's Gospel, verse number 12. Now, I said I'm going to be using a lot of scriptures tonight. That is my typical manner of teaching. And so we're in the New Testament, book of John, chapter 14, verse number 12, where Jesus said, Verily, verily, he that believeth on me, The works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. That doesn't just sound good, that is good. That is the word of the Lord. He said, greater works than these shall 
He do. Amen. He's talking about us. He's talking about those who believe in Him. And then in the following verse, He promised, Whatsoever you will ask in My name, that will I do. In the fifth chapter of Matthew's Gospel, verse number 6, uh, Jesus also said, now these are the words of Jesus I'm quoting, uh, both from John chapter 14 and now Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. Jesus said, Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. What are we hungry for? What do we really have an appetite for? Uh, I talked about this even in the Bible teaching on keys to receiving an answer from God. It is very important that we hunger and thirst for the things of God. And Jesus said, they which do hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. But let's be honest enough with self to search our own hearts and see if we truly have an appetite for the things of God in this hour. We cannot afford to take Him for granted. We cannot afford to think just what has always been is always going to be. I'm talking about benefits and things that have been made available to us. We have realized in recent weeks that things that we never dreamed would be so abruptly kind of taken out of our grasp. We've realized it can happen. And so, what are we hungry for? What do we have an appetite for? We need to understand the importance of really being hungry and thirsty for the ways of God. Have we allowed our senses and our everyday desires to get wrapped up with natural things? I hope not. I hope not. You know, I know people that call themselves Christians, yea, even Pentecostals, that have gotten so wrapped up in sensationalism over the last few years that they think everything has got to be, you know, it's got to touch their emotions. It's just got, they've got to have entertainment and sensationalism. But God help us to realize that it has to be more than what makes the flesh feel good for the moment. We need the genuine working of the Spirit of God within each and every one of us. If indeed we desire a genuine move of God in this hour, then I wonder, is hunger intense enough to take us beyond the routines of everyday life? You know, when we clap our hands to the Lord, is it routine? Or have we gotten beyond the routine? And it's really a privilege to applaud the Lord and to worship Him. When we lift our hands, is it because we're mechanical and we've learned how to do it? Or are we truly saying from the man within us, I surrender, I give up to You, Lord. I give my praise to You, Lord. God help us to understand how important it is that we go beyond the routines of everyday life. And do we live with continual inner craving for the deeper things of God? 
Personally, I want such hunger and thirst to grip the very soul of David Smith. I want it to grip me until I'm consumed with spiritual desire that's just as intense as that which caused Rachel, the barren wife of Jacob, to cry out, Give me children, else I die. In other words, she said, if I'm not going to have children, let me die. She, she wanted a child. I'm talking about a continual hunger and insatiable thirst for the deeper things of God. I would to God that every one of us would be so completely overcome with this desire that I'm talking about. Desire for the things of God until natural life with its fading attractions would actually lose appeal to us. Even so, I'm, I'm wholly determined to know the Lord better today than I've ever known Him before. I'm not here tonight to pat myself on the back, but thanks be to God, before I was ever born, both of my parents had come out of the denominal church world and they had found reality in a born-again experience in an old-fashioned Pentecostal church. And so I was carried as a babe in arms to the house of God. And I grew up knowing what it was to see people dancing and shouting around the church and speaking in tongues. And, and every time I was sick, I, I knew what it was not just to have my mother and my father pray for me, but the pastor was going to be called and I was going to be anointed with oil and prayed over in the name of Jesus. Oh, yes. And victory would come. This is what I've known all of my life. But I want to know Him better today than I have ever known Him before. I don't want to live just on the experiences of last week or yesteryear or my childhood. I want to know Him better today than I knew Him yesterday. In addressing believers at Philippi, Paul the Apostle clearly expressed the kind of craving that I'm talking about in this message tonight. Whenever he exclaimed in chapter 3 of Philippians, verse number 10, Paul said that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. And then going right into the next verse. Why? He said, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. I'm telling somebody that's listening to the broadcast tonight. I'm telling somebody that's here in this sanctuary tonight. Oh, it's not just my walk with God down here, but there's a morning coming. There's a morning coming when the eastern sky is going to open up and the people of God are going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. If we might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. We can, but we got to know Him. We have to know Him every day of our experience in this life. In verse number 14, same chapter, Paul speaks of pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God 
in Christ Jesus. No, we're not drifting. We're not just, you know, uh, uh, treading water. We're pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Some years ago, during a time of intense hunger for the deeper things of God, the Holy Ghost spoke to us at the church where I was pastoring for many, many years. And the Lord spoke to us through prophecy, and this is what He said. He said, this is your hour of revival. And then He said, if you'll walk with Me, I've set before, uh, in the way that I've set before you, then I'll make your feet to be like hinds feet. And the light that is within you will never be darkened. Oh, what a blessed hope we have in our experience with God. Now, I'm not trying to tell anybody as a Christian tonight you'll never face a trial because you will. I'm not telling you that you may never be sick in your body because you may be. I'm not telling you tonight that life is going to be always the way you want it to be because it won't be. But I am wanting to assure you tonight that the Lord will be with you. That the Lord has promised that the light within would not be darkened. We have a light shining from within us if we know Him. He is the light of our lives and of the world. And you see, at certain junctions of our Christian journey, every one of us have to make decisions. Decisions that are going to greatly affect our daily walk with God. It's not just uh, 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 now and then. Every day we make decisions. And these choices that we make, whether great or small, whether they're made consciously or unconsciously, are bound to determine spiritual direction for each of us. Uh, that's a profound statement. I hope that you're catching what I'm saying. The decisions, the choices that we make are going to determine the direction of our spiritual life. Furthermore, at such times and places, we either move closer to God or else we begin to distance ourselves away from God. Uh, I've seen it happen on both sides of the line. Uh, living for God down through the years, walking with God myself, pastoring people for the many years that I did, and now traveling all over the world doing missionary evangelism, I see people when they arrive at some of these junctures that I'm talking about. And they have to make a choice. And I've watched as they make those hard choices. Some of them choosing to do the right thing and their course of direction brings them closer to God. But at a similar junction, somebody else makes a choice that takes them away from God. Or maybe not all at once, but one baby step. 
maybe two baby steps, and then it's a yard or two, and then it's a mile or so, and then it seems like they're so far away from where God wants them to be. But it all began at the juncture. It all began at a point of choice or decision where decisions were made. God help every one of us. You see, even in this teaching that I am giving tonight, I sense that deep is calling unto deep. I hope somebody is feeling the tug and the pull that I know God is wanting us to acknowledge even in this teaching tonight. Deep is calling unto deep. I don't want to live just mechanically. I don't want to live just because it's routine. I want my experience with God to be a close relationship where that I'm choosing what He wants me to choose, doing what He wants me to do, being who He wants me to be. Without a doubt, we're living in the most challenging hour of our entire spiritual existence, even Tonight, Well, the Bible tells us that many spirits have gone out into the earth to deceive the hearts of men. Now, I, I, I'm just telling you, as a matter of fact, it is going on even as I speak. These spiritual forces, these spirits that have gone forth into the earth, deceiving the hearts of men. Furthermore, Jesus warned that floods of delusion would come due to an increase of false teachers, he said, and the spirit of Antichrist. During the end time, Jesus said there would be a flood of delusion. We're living in that hour. Indeed, this is the day that Jesus was speaking about for the church world as a whole. Now, I'm not talking the First Pentecostal Church in Silsby. I'm talking about the church world by and large has been swallowed up by ecumenicalism and what I would call interfaithism. When I hear somebody say something like, well, it doesn't matter as long as someone believes in God, does it? Of course it matters. They need to know who God is. You know, there are a whole lot of people in this world that believe in God that don't know His name. Does it make a difference? Well, the Bible said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. It's not enough to merely believe in God. We need to know God. We need to know who He is. I'm not going to be swallowed up by this spirit of ecumenicalism or interfaithism. As a matter of fact, the appeal of this hour is for an all, is for, is for, uh, all so-called people of faith. That's how they term it. People of faith. Uh, it doesn't, that doesn't say a whole lot. But that's what they call it. People of faith. They want us all to come under one religious umbrella. 
forgetting about doctrine, laying aside everything that might possibly offend and separate in order to unite everybody who claims to believe in God under one banner. That's not possible. That cannot be. You see, that certainly will never be a viable option for the true church of Jesus Christ. You know, Daniel and the Hebrew men, were they knew the command of God. They could not bow down to any other God. And I want you to know I travel throughout parts of the world where their motto is... There is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. I'm telling you, that is not true. That is not right. There is no God but the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the true and the living God. That's not a matter of argument. That's a matter of fact. That's a matter of truth. And if people are going to be set free from their sin and from the darkness and the bondage of this world, they need to know the power of the name of Jesus Christ. So it is impossible for me to come under one banner of a one world church, if you will. No. And, and I'm telling you some of the things that have been happening in recent days and weeks are, are trying to focus in on a one world system. And included in that one world system will be a one world religion. You need to know your Bible. You need to know the truth of the Word of God. And you need to make up your mind. I've got my feet planted on the rock of the foundation of God's Word, and I'm not going to step to the left or the right. They said, Daniel, you cannot pray to any other God. What did he do? He went to his house. He opened his window toward Jerusalem, and he prayed to Jehovah God. If they say you can't pray in the name of Jesus, what are you going to do? I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus, because it's the only name that I know to call upon, and it's the only name that brings victory. Oh, God, help us. You see, it's absolutely essential For us to know with clarity who God really is. And that we pursue all that He wants for His chosen people in this hour. Sad to say, but the world over, precious truths of God's Word are being laid aside or completely discarded. As divergent religious groups join hand in hand and biblical prophecy concerning a one world religion is unfolding before our very eyes. I'm just telling you the way it is. That is the way it is. Let me plainly declare to one and all that absolutes of the Bible will never change. And most assuredly, nobody has been given any liberty to alter what God says or thinks about right and wrong or concerning truth and error. It doesn't matter whether they call themselves a religious leader. 
if they call themselves, you know, the head of some big world church group, it doesn't matter. Nobody has any right to alter the absolutes of the Word of God. And that's why we need to know those absolutes. We need to know what the Word of God says. We've got to be in agreement with God. Unfortunately, in this dangerous hour of compromise, some who were once recognized as spiritual warriors have now given up the faith, or they've thrown in the towel, if you will. I don't know how that it happened. I don't know why they let it happen. I just know it's happened. I mean, I've witnessed it. I've seen it. I've looked at people with my mouth dropped open. I've looked at people that I never dreamed would deviate from the truth of the Word of God. And they're so far away from it today. And I stand there gazing and thinking, how did this happen? Yeah, they either grew weary or they just decided they were going to throw in the towel. Apparently, they tired of the struggle. They grew battle-weary. They allowed principles that once were held firm to change with time. And today, they no longer love and cherish biblical treasures that really do matter. They mattered 40 years ago. They mattered 70 years ago. They mattered 20 years ago, and they matter today. Amen. You and I, my brother and sister, as people who truly want to be in agreement with God, must forever understand God's Word is not going to change. In the 8th chapter of the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 8, the preacher declared in verse 8, there's no discharge. In this war. And in Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 3. Every bona fide child of God is admonished to adore hardness. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ. In First Timothy chapter 6 verse 12. Paul further instructed young Timothy. To fight the good fight of faith and lay hold upon eternal life. What I'm trying to say is there are going to be some uncomfortable moments. There are going to be some situations that are not always as easy as we would want them to be. But remember, saints, there's no discharge in this war. When I, when I became part of the family of God, I was just a boy. But as a boy, I made up my mind I was going to live for God. And I've come to declare tonight as I grew from a boy to a young man, to an adult, to a father, to a minister, and now to an older person, I, I, I'm just, I want everybody to know, I understand I am a child of God. There's no discharge in this war. It's a privilege to live for God. I'm gonna, I want to endure whatever I've got to endure. I want to do it as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I want to fight this good fight of faith so that I might one day lay hold upon eternal life. And then, in challenging fellow believers in the sixth chapter, of his letter to the Ephesians. 
In verse 13, Ephesians chapter 6, we hear the elders say, Having done all to stand, do what? Stand. When you've done everything to stand, what do you do? Stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins gird about with truth. It's not what I think. It's not what I want. It's not some hobby horse. No, you've got to have your loins gird about with truth. Because truth endures to all generations. Truth is going to stand throughout all the ages. And when we stand before God on that final day, we're going to be standing before the Lord where the books of truth are opened up. Now, in the next few moments this evening, and I've tried to lay kind of a a lengthy foundation just so you understand where we're going and what I'm talking about. But in these next few moments, I want to focus on, on two particular words from our opening text this evening, found in the Old Testament book of Amos chapter 3 and verse 3. Two words. And those words are walk together. Walk together. In all honesty, the reference here that was being made by the prophet of old is all about a close relationship with God. Closeness that is vividly portrayed in various other portions of Scripture. Of course, uh, I don't have time to talk about all of those examples tonight. But let me just reference uh, a few of them by hitting the highlights and moving on. Such closeness is found in the relationship between David and Jonathan in Old Testament times. We read about it in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 18. It's carefully pointed out there that the souls of David and Jonathan were knitted together. They were joined to each other. That Jonathan loved David as himself is what the Scripture says. In fact, in verse number 3 of chapter 18, we notice the covenant that these two young men made with each other. And then the following verse says that Jonathan took off his own robe and he gave it to David. Not only did he give David his garments, but he also gave David his sword. He gave David his bow and his girdle. Jonathan's soul was knit to David. They were so close to each other that what represented Jonathan as the son of a king, he said, I'll give that to David. He gave him his robe. He gave him his garments. He gave him all these other things that I have just mentioned. And so truly it can be said that the two of them walked Together, They were in agreement with each other. Now, as far as uh, a, natural, uh, a natural train of events were, would be concerned, uh, Jonathan uh, was from royalty. David was the son of uh, Jesse. Uh, he didn't have that royalty by birth, if you will. And yet, 
that didn't mean anything to Jonathan. Because Jonathan and David were in agreement with each other. There was close relationship between the two of them. Well, in the very same manner, I want that kind of closeness with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want a relationship that's the result of being in agreement with Him. Amen. A closeness that allows the two of us to walk together. Now, don't think for a minute that I'm saying that I'm on the same level of Jesus Christ. I'm not in any way implying that. But I do want to be walking with Him. I want a closeness with Him that allows us to walk together, that allows us to talk together, and thereby enjoy a close daily relationship with each other. I want to know when I say, Lord, I'm looking to be walking with Him and agreeing with Him so that He's looking back in my direction. Amen. When you're talking to somebody, uh, Brother McKinney, as a teacher, when you're talking to students, don't you love it when they're looking like this and you're trying to talk to them? I want them looking at me. I would tell my children when I was talking to them and they were growing up, if, if I had something important I was saying to them, and they try, I'd say, look at me. I wanted them looking at me. I want to know that when I say to the Lord, I'm looking in your direction, he's looking in my direction. Now, I can't order him. I just have confidence in him. But you know what? When he's talking to me, he can order me. And he needs to know I'm looking in his direction. He needs to know that my eyes are upon him. I want that kind of close daily relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, of course, uh, you speak about Jonathan and David. Well, think about what Jesus has done for us. He's given us a robe to wear. He's given us a sword to carry. Huh? He's given us truth that we can be girded about with truth. It's all of this. Who gave it to us? I'll tell you who gave it to us. Jesus gave it to us. I want to be in close relationship with Him. In Scripture, there's also the record of the same kind of closeness between Naomi and her daughter-in-law found in the book of Ruth. In fact, in verse 16... As we are looking at chapter 1 of the book of Ruth, Ruth said to her mother-in-law when that uh, Naomi was saying, go back to your father's house. Finally, uh, she said, entreat me no more to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For she said, whither thou goest, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people and thy God. My God, where you die, she said in verse 17 to Naomi, she said, where you die, I will die also and be buried there. The Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death separates thee and me. The closeness of relationship between Naomi and Ruth, may the good God of heaven help me in this hour. I pray that my very own relationship with Him is made up of such traits that epitomizes the very same closeness that Ruth had with her 
mother-in-law. One that's in complete agreement with God's Word. A closeness of relationship that... Uh, that will allow me to walk in the light of His will for my lifetime, allowing the two of us to walk together every day. Another vivid example of such closeness can be found in the book of Genesis, chapter 5, where that we're told that Enoch walked with God. In fact, there was such closeness between the two of them, God and Enoch, Enoch and God, until one day while Enoch was walking through life, he was simply taken right out of this world into the presence of the eternal God. How did it happen? It just happened as they were walking together. And I'm saying to somebody that's listening tonight, or somebody that's in this midweek service, in the sanctuary tonight, one of these days, we need to be ready to just take one more step, and we step from here to there into His eternal presence. But if it's going to happen, we've got to walk with Him here. We've got to have a daily walk with God Noting yet another example of close relationship, the Bible tells us that God took pleasure in a man by the name of Noah, setting him apart from all others of his day. Verse number 8 of Genesis chapter 6 reads, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But notice the following verse, because that's the verse that tells us more about Noah. Not just that he found grace in the eyes of God, but it says he was a just man and perfect in his generations. And it also says Noah walked with God. Tells us a lot about this man. Truthfully, these and other such examples clearly depict the kind of closeness that God really desires to have with his people. However... In order to walk with God and truly be that close to Him, we must agree with Him. Everything that I've said to this point brings me to this pivotal point of the teaching tonight. If we are going to have that walk with God that I've been talking about, if we're going to be that close to Him as I've been talking about just within the last several examples from Scripture, then we must agree with God. Whenever in agreement with God, we certainly will not be walking in the counsel of the ungodly. We certainly will not be standing in the way of sinners. We will not be sitting in the seat of the scornful. Because whenever we walk Together with God. We have to separate ourselves from everything that is unlike Him. At the same time, we're privileged to enjoy close relationship with Him. Every now and again through the years, and especially when I pastored the same church as I did for more than 38 years There would be these people that would, uh, you know, visit the services. Oh, they love the, the presence of God. They love the touch of the Holy Ghost and the anointing that was present. And, 
And uh, sometimes they would say to me, oh, I just... I just wish, you know, we didn't have to do this. If we came here, you know, why do we do this? And why is it important to do that? What they didn't understand, the rich anointing, the wonderful presence of God that we felt was because of walking with God. It was because of wanting to please the Lord and be in in agreement with God. And if we're not in agreement with God, then it isn't long until that wonderful anointing and that profound move of the Holy Ghost, it just kind of, it's, it just kind of And so, no, that's not an option for us. We cannot allow such things. We must be in agreement with God. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 14. It explicitly instructs us not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And Paul proceeds to ask, what fellowship? hath righteousness with unrighteousness. And what communion hath light with darkness? In verse 15, he asks, What concord hath Christ with Belial? And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? In verse 16, he asks, What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? And then he declared, Ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and I will walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. What more could we ask for? What more could I want than to be able to have God say such a thing to me as He has said in His Word for Him to let me know that He will dwell in me and walk in me and be my God and I can be His child. Wherefore, He said in verse 17, Come out from among them and be ye separate. Who said that? Did Paul say it? Paul wrote it, but it says, Come out from among them, saith the Lord. That's who said, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. You see, all of these promises that God was making when He talked about dwelling in us and walking in us and being our God and allowing us to be His people, it was contingent on us being in agreement with Him. We must be in agreement with God. And he said in verse number 18, I'll be a father unto you and ye shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. There is no consolation like this consolation. Knowing that I am a child of God. Knowing that His eye is upon me. Knowing that He is going to have the final say in my life. There is no consolation in all the world like knowing that. Amen. So once again, I want to emphasize, in order to walk with God, we have to be in agreement with Him. And for that reason, sound biblical doctrine should be of utmost importance to all of us. Thank God 
for this Pentecostal message. Thank God for the Word of God that has been given to us. The Word of truth. All the way from Genesis to Revelation, it's right. It doesn't need to be fixed. It's right. What it says is forever true and forever settled in heaven. In fact, there's no flexibility at all whenever it comes to the teaching of who God is. Clearly, God is one. And to divide Him into two or into three persons would make us just as guilty of idolatry as those who bow down to graven images worshiping at the altars of false god. Recently, earlier this year, my wife and I were in India. Everywhere you look, there's a Hindu temple. And then it's another temple. And then it's another temple. They claim to have uh, 33 million gods. But let me tell you, if you divide God into two persons or three persons, you're just as guilty of idolatry as a Hindu that's got 33 million gods. I'm not being unkind. I'm being truthful. The Word of God is clear. God is one. In Isaiah chapter 45 in verse number 5, Jehovah God of Old Testament times declared, I am the Lord and beside me there is no God. Thank God for truth. Thank God for the truth of His Word. He said, beside me there is no God. That all may know from the rising of the sun to the going down of the sun that there is none else. Amen. Furthermore, in John 8, verse 24, Jesus said, If you believe not that I am He, then you shall die in your sins. So what a privilege it is for us to know and to believe and teach that there's only one true and living God. And furthermore, to emphatically declare that Jesus is His name. I don't have time to cover everything I'd like to cover tonight, but you hear me when I tell you. When it comes to these doctrines of the Word of God, there's no room to alter them. To, to just be what we want them to be. No, they are what they are. They are forever true and settled in the heavens. Concerning doctrines of repentance and new birth, we must never dilute such essential teachings. For Jesus Himself declared in Luke chapter 13, verses 3 and 5, Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And in John chapter 3 and verse number 3, he said, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's not my teaching. That's the teaching of God's Word. That's the truth of the Bible. In verse number 5, Jesus made it very clear. John chapter 3 verse 5, Jesus made it clear that being born again really means uh, that except a man is born of water, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. I've listened to a lot of people try to, try to make that say what they want it to say. But it says what it says. And uh, no, pro no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. The Scripture will, will uh, explain itself. In verse number 7, Jesus said, you must be born Again, 
We follow it through the Scripture in the New Testament church. And being born of the water always had to do with water baptism. And spirit baptism is being born of the Spirit. Jesus said, you must be born again. I don't. It is imperative that I agree with God. Furthermore, to be in agreement with God, our way of everyday life has to be separated from the world so that we can live holy unto the Lord our God. You can stand with me. And if you're in your home listening tonight, you can prepare your heart toward the closing of this teaching. There are many things that could be could be added, could be said, but the thrust is the importance of being in agreement with God. A distinct choice has to be made between friendship with the world and a close relationship with God. Because frankly, no one can have both at the same time. As oil and water do not mix, neither can a holy God and this sinful world be joined together. In the sixth chapter of Matthew, verse 24, Jesus said, No man can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. Because he said, We cannot serve both God and mammon. Although Abram and his nephew Lot left the land of Ur together, yet a day of separation between the two of them eventually came because their long-term goals were very, very different. Lot chose for himself while Abraham continually looked for a city whose builder and maker is God. In the fourth chapter of James, clearly states in verse 4 that friendship of the world is enmity with God. It said, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And so a choice has to be made. We make a brief review of King Saul's life story and it takes us all the way from his lofty beginning to demise. As a man once favored by God lived long enough and in such a way that God actually became Saul's enemy. Furthermore, I can recall preachers by name that I've known down through ages of time. that Men who once ministered under profound anointing of the Holy Ghost and yet somewhere along the way they veered off course away from God, they began to teach or preach false doctrines. 
In all honesty, their demise into heresy began with just a single step away from God and the truth of His infallible Word. Remember when I said there are certain junctures of life where choices will be made. We either make a choice that brings us closer to God or we make, us, we make a choice that takes us further away from God. That's what happened to a number of these ministers that I would reference tonight that, that uh, went from preaching what they should be preaching to heresy. They made a choice. And their choice led them away from God and His truth. Isn't that just exactly how Lucifer, an archangel of God, fell one day from heaven? And isn't that how Judas Iscariot, a chosen disciple of the Lord Jesus, ultimately lost out with God and forfeited his bishopric to somebody else? Why do you suppose Ananias and Sapphira would conspire between themselves to lie to the Holy Ghost? Truthfully, in every instance, their calamity goes back to the principle of Amos 3. And verse 3, that I've endeavored to present to the church tonight, two can only walk together if they agree. And so, in closing, Joshua, we read from the book of Joshua of the day when he called a solemn assembly for God's people in Old Testament times. They had faltered and fallen and they had walked with God and then they weren't walking with God and Joshua called them to a solemn assembly and he said to them after reviewing their history and reminding them of all that God had done for them he said you got to make a choice the time has come you need to choose whether you're going to serve God or not but as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. Israel made a choice that day. They said, the Lord will be our God. Joshua said, okay, then you've got to do some things. If He's going to be your God, if you're really going to have Him as your God, then you've got to put away your strange gods. You know, you've got to agree with God if you're going to walk with God. And he made it so plain to Israel. I wish they would have continued to follow the advice that Joshua gave them that day. But for us that are alive and able to do something with such challenge today, if we're going to walk with God, we have to agree with God. If you can pinpoint anything in your life, that is not exactly as God wants it to be, then you need to do something about it. If I can find anything in my heart that isn't what God wants it to be, then I need to do something about it. Because the only way I can walk with God, the Word said, I have to agree with Him. And what a privilege it is to walk with God, to live for God, to be ready to meet God knowing that one day soon he's going to say, come up higher. It's going to be worth it, church. 
I challenge you, whether you're young or old tonight, walk with God. Let the Lord know you'll do whatever He wants you to do. Just get a blank sheet of paper. Put your name at the bottom. Sign it, if you will. And take it to a place of prayer and say, Lord, you fill in the rest. Whatever you want of me, it's all right. I've made a commitment by the signing of my name. I'll do anything you want me to do just to walk with you, just to agree with you, and to have a close relationship like you want me to have. God bless you, church. God bless you, Pastor Looper. A privilege to be with you tonight. Why don't you lift your hands wherever you're at right now. Lift your voice. Make new commitments to God today. I want to walk with you. I want to agree with you, God. I want to draw near to Thee, O God. Hallelujah. Why don't you sing it one more time with us tonight? Let this be your testimony. More of you, God. Closer to you, oh God. Oh, Jesus. Just a closer walk with thee. Just a better relationship with you, oh God. Hallelujah. Oh, 
more than anything in this world, God. More than anything in this life. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Why don't we thank God for His Word tonight? In your home right now, why don't you give God praise and glory for His Word right now? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I praise you, Savior, for your glorious Word to us tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Brother Smith, for the wonderful Word of the Lord. Didn't we enjoy that tonight? Amen. So thankful. So thankful. So thankful. Amen. Amen. There's so many people wanting to... Change the rules. And they're trying to come up with an easier way. But when you change the rules, you lose the whole meaning of the game. And when you change the rules and come up with easier ways, you have no power. And so our separation from the world and dedication to God is the reason why we can come and enjoy the presence of the Lord. And the glory and the power of God. Amen. Thank you, Brother Smith, so much for the wonderful word of the Lord. Thank you to all of you that are at home listening tonight. Pray that you enjoyed God's word, that you had let it strengthen you and encourage you. And uh, don't get discouraged in walking with God in this dark hour. We definitely need Him more today than we did yesterday. And uh, for the ones that are here, Lord bless you tonight. And uh, remember church, Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, we'll be in the parking lot unless advised otherwise. And so remember that, 10 o'clock and 6 o'clock Sunday. Lord bless you. Let's pray for all of those who are sick. Continue to pray for them. Ask the Lord to continue to work for them. Give them a miracle. We're thankful for what God has done. We're just believing that God will continue to do so. Lord bless you. You can be dismissed in Jesus' name.